And ever since the um, the new Inquisitive started, I've been thinking about, you know, if I were asked to be on it, and I'm not being passive aggressive here, I, I'm just saying. You're on my list. I'm not sure if I have a good answer, which we'll get to in a second. But if I were asked to be on it, what would I what would I choose as my one and only favorite album? And I've been thinking a lot about it and I've come up with a, I've narrowed it down to, I think three, um, because my name isn't Marco Armand, I would choose only one of them and stick by it. But nevertheless, um, one of them is this unplugged, uh, album that the band seal your countryman, uh, did, uh, years ago in like 93 or something like that. Is kiss from a rose on it. No, it's before that was that before that was written. So close. No, but hold on. Do you have a boring story to start us off? Um, hmm. Do I have a boring story? I mean, maybe a boring story could just be me thinking of a boring story. <laughs> I don't think I do. I have an annoyance. Like my my uh, neighbors uh, keep playing very loud music very late in the evenings. It's a frustration in my life right now. How old are the neighbors? I don't know. There's like a big group. It's like a group, a big group of people. If you had said that they were 70, I would have lost it. It's like, I don't know, a group of maybe, I don't maybe like six or seven people. It's like, a, it seems like there might be larger than one family living there. Mm-hmm. Is the music um, good? No, it's horrific. Oh, delightful. It's extremely heavy based, like trancey type. Exactly. They play it very, very late, and here in the UK, we don't have the pleasures of having like a football field in between each house. Sure, like, well, this we is don't the house that either, is touching but... mine. Yes, because you have what we would probably describe as like townhouse, right? Where yeah. it's several independent. They're not independent structures, but you cannot travel between each individual family's area. Well, I live in a semi-detached house. Yeah, so it's yeah, one okay. big building split into two down the middle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. So they play it, and it. Not only can I hear the music, I can feel the bass. Oh, it, that's fun. Yeah, and it's one of those scenarios where I don't really know what to do about it. Like, I have tried knocking a couple of times, but the only time that I tend to get up the courage via the anger to do that is when the music's playing, so they can't hear me. Nice. Um, and I have also reported them to the local council, right? It's like a noise disturbance type thing. But mm-hmm. you may as well be throwing a piece of parchment paper into a pond. Like, it doesn't make any difference. Like, nobody does anything. No one comes around. And even if they do, nobody will ever tell you anything. It's quite funny. I reported, like, I made a report to the council about it. And uh, they sent me an automated response back. I know it's automated, even though they try and pretend like it's not. Of course. One of the things is like, if it happens again, call this number. So I called the number this evening, and it's like, at this time in the evening, 11 p.m., uh, like, I, they didn't say that, I'm saying that part, 11 p.m. part, this time in the evening, this number is for emergency responses only. So like, well, this isn't an emergency, so I can't call. Right. So then I just sent another auto, sent another thing through their website again the council's website which is it's just a fair it's just a frustration and these types of frustrations we're having some other annoyances with the people in my very local area here as well and it all compounds with the fact that i want to try and buy a house and get the hell out of here Mm -hmm. um and it all just builds up and just it it angers me casey i don't doubt it i don't blame you and i feel like i want to try and confront these people like in a civil way but i just don't I just don't see the chances of these types of things going in a civil way very easily. If these people are playing loud trance music at 11 p.m. in the evening, I don't think that they have a lot of compassion for fellow human beings. Definitely not. So I don't really see like a confrontation going very well. Yeah, I I would agree with that. And you're probably kind of screwed, to be honest with you. We had, um, we, uh, well, we have next door neighbors, but, um, the, the house adjacent to us is rented. And so for the first, I want to say two years that we were here, um, there was a family or, or a couple or whatever that had a very large dog. I'm not good with dog breeds. I couldn't tell you specifically what it was. The big but dog breed. It was the big dog breed. And they, um, they left the dog outside almost always. And the dog would just howl 
at everything. Yeah. And it was nonstop all day long. And it drove me insane. And we almost got to the point of going over there. But A, we are, or me more so than Aaron, but we are both very non-confrontational. And B, as you were saying, they hear the same dog. If they don't have the presence of mind to think to themselves, wow, this might be annoying everyone in the friggin' neighborhood, then me going over there isn't going to change anything. So then, like, I think to myself, like, you know, maybe I should get the benefit of the doubt. And I play this back through my mind every now and then. And maybe at some point I will just go and see if they are willing to understand that their music comes through the walls. Like, for all I know, they don't know that I can hear them. Mm-hmm. And maybe they would change their mind if I if they knew that. Yeah, it's almost so, like, hey, why don't you come into my house? Don't touch the stereo. Come into my house and see if you can hear your music. Exactly. So, I don't know. The thing is, I'm too much of a wuss to do this stuff unless I'm really angry. And then when I'm really angry, it's probably the wrong time to do it anyway. Yep. So, I don't know. I'm just going to... At least it maybe It's going to do... You know, a couple of things are going to happen. Either it's going to continue, and I'm just going to continue to get more annoyed about it. Or it will eventually stop. You know, maybe as the weather changes. Who knows? Um, But... The one thing that is going to remain the same is, and, and that maybe this will change, is, is that I want to move out faster and faster all the time. So maybe that's a good thing if I'm just trying to get money together, which we're still in the money-gathering phase. Yeah, We hit a milestone in the money-gathering phase uh, this week, which is great. Um, and so we, we saved a sizable chunk of money now. And that's good. So we're just continuing to plow on. I'm hoping by the end of the year, uh, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see, I think still but that's still still happening still very much happening but it's it's like whatever in case anybody hasn't noticed already uh we are totally screwing with the format of this show at the moment and like playing around with some different ways of of doing it i.e the fact that we don't do the usual intro anymore and we haven't even done follow-up yet and i'm about to do our first sponsor it's we're kind of <laughs> we're, we're moving things around a lot um, and just playing with some stuff. Why not? We're a year old, so it's probably about the right time to try and learn how to do this thing properly. This week's episode is brought to you by lynda.com, the online learning platform of over 3,000 on-demand video courses to help you strengthen your business technology and creative skills. For a free 10-day trial, visit lynda.com slash analog. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash analog. Lynda.com is for problem solvers, people that are curious or who want to make things happen in their lives. Maybe you're looking for a new job, so you want to learn a new skill that you've never known before. Like, let's say, for example, you are an iOS developer and you want to go to a new company, but they also require Android development too, and that's a skill that you don't have. Well, you can take a Lynda.com course in just that. Maybe that you're working in a current job and you want a promotion or you want to do really great at that sales meeting that you've got coming up. Well, why don't you learn learn some like uh, business negotiation skills or body language stuff? You can learn this stuff on Linda.com. Or maybe there's just a hobby that you've always wanted to try out and you've always wanted to get into photography. So you want to take courses on Photoshop and Lightroom and also courses on how to like actually set portraits, you know, do great portraits and how to set up the actual equipment and stuff that you're going to need to take photos in a new and great way. This is the type of stuff that you can learn at lynda.com and you can watch and learn from these experts who are going to be teaching you this stuff. They have an absolute passion for teaching and also lynda.com has great production values. All these videos are going to look great and they're going to look great wherever you watch them, wherever you watch them on your PC and, and browse along with their transcripts there or obviously your Mac as well in a web browser or you you can download these tutorials to watch on the go um, on your iOS and Android device via the lynda.com app. So you can watch them wherever you want to be. You know, maybe you want to learn a little bit about Swift on the bus. Well, you can do that. You can also create and save playlists of the courses that you want to watch. You can watch the courses um, in any order. You can even watch them in little bite-sized pieces. They're all like constructed to be that way. And you can, once you have these playlists all set up, you can uh, share them with friends and colleagues and, tem- and team members as well, even family, if, if that's the type of stuff that you do in your family. Your Linda.com membership will give you unlimited access to training on hundreds of topics for just one flat rate. Whether you're looking to become an industry expert, you're passionate about a hobby, 
or you just want to learn something new. I would really love it if you would visit lynda.com slash analog and sign up for your free 10-day trial because you'll also be helping support this show. Thank you so much, lynda.com, for sponsoring today's episode of Analog. We should do a little bit of follow-up. And the uh, first item I wanted to call everyone's attention to just very quickly is um, a very, very deep dive into The Rocketeer, which was our last Mike at the Movies film. Um, This is on the Projection Booth podcast, uh, and it was brought to my attention by way of friend of the show, Joe Steele. And this is a podcast I've never heard before, but they eventually end up talking to the director and the two writers and... um, Bigelow, one of the actors, during the course of the podcast. It's really long. It's like two and a half hours or something like that, but it is very, very good. And if you enjoyed The Rocketeer, I uh, highly suggest checking it out. And so that's the Projection Booth podcast, episode 232, and we will put a link into the show notes for your pleasure. Um, That's it for follow-up that I really wanted to get through, but I believe we have some other follow-up about Icebreakers. Yeah, talking about icebreakers, uh, whilst going to add that link to our show notes, I've already knocked over my drink again. Oh, goodness. That's that's a bit of different follow-up. That's real-time follow-up, and that's bad real-time follow-up. Yeah, I don't know where to put this thing, because I, I want it to be both in easy arm's reach, so every time I grab it, you know, here in the ice clink, but also uh, not in the immediate vicinity of my hands, because every time I move my hands, I keep knocking them over. Right, right. Podcasters' problems, huh? It's the worst. So, Icebreakers, Nathan wrote in, and this is what Nathan had to say. Just finished listening to the last analogue, and I have some ideas for Icebreakers to start conversations with complete strangers. I have found it very helpful to look for details. I look at shirts, hats, rings, watches, jewellery, and things like that. If the person is by their car, do they have bumper stickers? Do they have something hanging from the rearview mirror? Do they have roof racks as an indication of an active lifestyle? I can usually find something to strike up a conversation. I had these ideas hammered into me in sales training. Turns out I was terrible at sales, but pretty good at picking up details to start talking with people. I don't know how often you find yourself needing to start a conversation with complete strangers, but I hope this helps. That's a very good tip. It's hard, and it's a fine line you dance between looking creepy and being like, oh, I see this earring that you're wearing, you know, that I can barely see. Uh, it is is a Mickey Mouse head or something, you know? That, why don't you tell me about how much you love Disney? And if I were, you know, that person, I'd be like, whoa, whoa, what? But that being said, if, you know, there, it could also go very well. Oh, I see you're wearing a Virginia Tech sweatshirt. I also went to Virginia Tech. How, when did you graduate? What was your experience there like, et cetera? So uh, it's definitely, uh, it's a good idea. I don't know. What do you think about that? I think that this observational stuff is really good to help move a conversation. So like you, you're halfway through a conversation and you can feel it start to die down and you're scrambling for a <laughs> I've been next there, yep. topic, you know? Yep. Uh, the, those are the types, those are really good. Because they're better than like, oh, this weather, huh? Yep, which I've also gone to way too many times. But it's a safe conversation, if nothing, if if, if not extremely boring. So uh, Nathan mentioned sales training as his thing. Have you ever had any sales training? No, 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 no. Oh, I've had sales training. That sounds super delightful. Yeah, this is the thing. Like like uh, Nathan, uh, I kind of had a lot of sales training. Um, but I didn't really find any of it useful. I never really took anything out of sales training, in all honesty. I think a lot of it was being, a lot of the sales training that we did was from people that had either never been involved in sales or didn't know how to sell themselves, you know? Mm-hmm. So we're just talking rubbish that they didn't <laughs> fully understand because they'd read a book called Where's My Cheese. You ever heard of Where's My Cheese? No, I have never heard of this. Ugh. I don't even want to get into it. Look it up if you're interested. It's a, one of these philosophies of business. Oh, who moved my cheese? That's it. Oh, man. I've got this song in my head. There's this video. There's a video version of it, and we were made to watch it. Oh, man. God, it's got to be on YouTube. Yeah, okay. I'm going to put the link in the show notes to this. I just want you to go and listen so you can hear how the song goes because um, it's horrific this is the type of stuff that i used to do and bearing in mind like i worked in a bank right it wasn't even a sales environment we didn't even have commission like it was just like you have to sell because it's your job to sell 
So it was like, oh, it was just the worst. I hate it. But and I think the funny thing about this stuff now, in thinking about sales, is I kind of work in sales now in a yep. kind of weird way. Uh, but I don't really think of it that way. Um, and I certainly don't put any of my sales training to use. <laughs> like, and I'm not saying that this stuff doesn't work, like sales training and sales methodologies, because it must work for some people, or it wouldn't. Pe- it, people wouldn't be able to continue it with it. But I think a lot of these things are just ways to help give you self confidence, right? Um, and I'm, you know, thinking about this. I'm pretty confident in what I'm doing right now, so it feels good. And you know, the the, the one of the weird things about sales is it is a vicious cycle of self-confidence the more you sell the more confident you are and the less you sell the less the less confident you get yeah and, and that, that is that one sense. of the big problems with sales yeah I, I don't know i've i've been asked to be a part of like sales meetings typically it's like a technical representative when a salesperson is trying to win some work for the company i'm working for but it's hard because when i feel like my inclination when I'm in a sales meeting is to be like, yes, we can do anything and it will cost you no more than $10. When in reality, we can't do everything. And the more you ask us to do, the more expensive it is, you know? And so I I want to do right by my company and I want to try to land the work and, you know, close the sale. But on the other side of the coin, I like to think of myself as an honest person and I don't want to lie about what I'm capable or not capable of doing. And it's just, it's weird, man. It's weird. Yeah, I mean, like, the funny thing for me with these days is, like, I don't really feel like I'm selling. Like, I just talk to people, and I try to be nice to people, and I treat them like people, um, and we just all try and work together, and I try and make them happy by doing the best reads I can and charging people good prices, and then hopefully it all works out in the end. And so far, it is all working out, so I think that's kind of ticking the box. Yeah, I agree. So more on icebreakers, though. Uh, Andy wrote in and said, I am conversationally challenged. Uh, I don't know how to carry on a conversation at all unless it is completely technical in nature and something that I know a lot about or am very interested in. You can get me started with another introvert on history, computers, um, or mechanical things, and we can go for hours and hours. That is a small slice of the population, though, and I am completely lost with most people. I'm open to any tips, but doubt there is much help now if I I haven't figured it out in 40 years. So I think that this, like, as I'm reading this, I'm re- I was reading what Andy sent to me. Uh, and I think that this might say something about me, but I'm way more comfortable in these common ground types of scenarios as well. I mean, I think that most people are, but like when I mean like way more comfortable to the point that I don't want to have the other type of conversation where there's no common ground and you're just trying to scramble. Like these these icebreaker things that we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, um, which has become a running theme of the show, um, <laughs> I hate these types of conversations when they're like you, you're trying to find something to talk about. So yeah. like I'm, I am perfectly fine with and enjoy the types of conversations where there is common ground. Uh, and this common ground can be like, so for example, when we talk about WWDC, the common ground is obvious. Right? Sure, so sure. Th- those conversations are really easy to have. They're simple for me to do and they're enjoyable. But I find it tough to talk to people I don't know unless there is some sort of clear common interest that we're both going to be able to like talk about and maybe like agree on. Yeah, yeah. And I think that most conversations... If you were to break it down, you know, there's the initial introduction. Yeah, I'm assuming this is somebody you don't know. So there's, there's the initial introduction. There's kind of a um, offer of a topic, maybe something as innocuous as the weather. And then it's kind of like a dance. You know, it's like the uh, 230 styles boxers to match our theme music. Um, it's like the you do this dance trying to figure out um, 
you know, who, what is some sort of common ground that we can both latch on to? So maybe the conversation is, you know, oh, hi, I'm Casey. Oh, you're Mike. Okay, well, man, it's a rainy day out there. That's kind of stinky. Um, and then you say, oh, yes, you're right, because I really wanted to go watch that, you know, football game or what have you. And I say to you, oh, haha, you call football the wrong thing, you crazy British person. And then we get arguing about, you know, Brit- Britain versus America. And then that that's a wonderful conversation. But it's just a dance to figure out, okay, what can the two of us dig into? two together that we can at least relate to. And what I found, and Aaron has said this to me, and it's not a it's not a monumental thing. In fact, I think I've said it on the show before, but Aaron said to me once, and she was right, you know, if you ever find that this dance is going nowhere and you know, I offer up a topic and you're kind of like eh, and you offer up a topic and you're kind of and I'm kind of like eh, well, the next time you offer up a topic, just go all in on it. So tell me more about that, Mike. Oh, you really like, you know, what I call soccer. Why do you like it? Have you ever played it? Didn't you think it was a lot of running? Did you like being a goalie? Or why wouldn't you like being a goalie? You know, that you don't have to run as much. Ha-ha. And so you can just dig into that really, really deep. And the other thing that Aaron said, again, nothing monumental, but I had never heard it before, was people tend to like to talk about themselves, and it's easier to talk about yourself. So if you really just run out of gas with any other ideas, just ask somebody to dig into whatever it is they want to talk about. And in all likelihood, they'll leave that conversation thinking, wow, that Mike character, he was really interested in me. What a nice guy. I think that last part, the what a nice guy part, like I think everybody leaves conversations with me feeling that way. (laughs) Which is why I can't confront my next-door neighbours. Uh, Seth Zard in the chat room uh, asks, do you find conversations with fans about your work a good piece of common ground? Um, yes Great and question. No. It is a great question. The problem with that is if somebody comes up, to, even at, let's say, WWDC, somebody comes up to... Um, comes up to me and says, oh, you're Casey. Oh, man, I really love ATP. Isn't it fun doing that show? And it's like, I have this, um, it's, I don't know where to go from here. Because on the one side, I feel like I should talk about ATP because that's probably what you know this other person wants to get out of this conversation. But on the other side, I don't want to monopolize the conversation being like, oh, well, let me tell you all about ATP and how wonderful I am and how wonderful the show is. And, oh, have you heard Analog? It's, it's just as good as ATP. And you should check it out. And you can be all hipster about it because not as many people listen. You can be there before everyone discovers it, blah, blah, blah. And so it's, it's hard because I don't want to make it about myself, but that's kind of what this other person wants, right? Do you have that same issue? Uh, yes and no. I think my... It's just for me, it's a level of preparation and I'm getting better at just keeping this stuff in my brain as this doesn't happen a lot, but over the past couple of months, I've had a couple of unexpected situations where I've been entered into these conversations mm-hmm. um, and you know, like people being familiar with my work in a, in a scenario in which I wasn't expecting that. Um, right. So with that, so like with that in mind, like I'm getting better at it because if I'm prepared, then I'm good. And again, this actually goes back to my confidence levels as well. Like if I'm feeling good, um, then I can can and will happily talk about podcasting stuff f- forever. Like and, and I remember the upgrade meetup that we did in London, and I was just for maybe a couple of hours, just people asking me stuff about what we do, and I was telling stories and things like that. So it was very easy for me to just rail off the anecdotes and fun tidbits and little behind the scenes things and that kind of stuff. And and I met someone a couple of weeks ago. Um, a guy came up to me when I was in my co-working space and he was a listener of the shows and I was really awesome to meet him. And I was able then to just talk about because I was working on some stuff and I was like just saying the kinds of things I was working on and we were talking about some of the newer shows on the network and stuff like that. So I'm getting better at that. And, and, and in my mind thinking like if this person listens to the stuff and is interested enough that they want to come up to me, then they probably want to hear about this stuff. And I think to myself, like, to try and be a little less humble about it and, and just just talk about what I do. Uh, and then eventually they're just going to get up and walk away because I'm boring <laughs> them to death. But right. I will just keep talking about it because I think that if it, for me, 
with people whose work I appreciate. I want to hear about the work and about the things that they do and that kind of stuff because I, I find it interesting, as I'm sure many other people do too. Yeah, and I agree. You know, it, it's weird because I agree with you, and yet I still kind of feel the same way I, I I said earlier. Because you know, it, let's say I had never met Merlin for the sake of discussion, and I go up to Merlin. I, oh man, I'm a huge fan of Back to Work, and oh my goodness, I love Reconcilable Differences. Also found on Relay FM. Ding. Um, it, you know, it's so good and 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 <laughs> nice. And then all of a sudden, Merlin turns the conversation. This is the sort of thing Merlin either has done or would do. Merlin turns the conversation on to me. And well, what are you interested in? And what do you like? And and you know, what did you really enjoy about? Or not he would say it in a better way. But what did you enjoy about reconcilable differences? What did you really latch on to? And if if Merlin can turn that conversation back on to me and shows a genuine interest in me. I'm going to leave that conversation thinking not only is Merlin a nice guy, but he is the nicest guy, which is actually accurate. But anyway, um, you know, you know what I mean? Like it, it, if, if the quote unquote famous person shows a genuine interest um, in, in what you, the quote unquote, nobody is in, in what you do, that's real. I would find that very flattering if somebody did that for me. So it's it's tough because you're right. You know, I want I'm going up to Merlin in this hypothetical, wanting to hear everything about Merlin, but yet at the other on the same side of the coin, you know, I I I would love to have Merlin be interested in me and not just haha, okay, whatever, interested, but like genuinely interested. And again, Merlin is really good at that, and I wish I was better at it. Yeah, there are some people that these types of skills they seem to just flow from them. And mm. I think maybe it comes with experience. I don't maybe. know. That's a very nice way to call Merlin old. I don't <laughs> This week's episode is also brought to you by our friends over at Fracture. I love Fracture. What Fracture are doing is they are helping save the pictures that you have stored in your devices, helping surface photos from timelines and feeds or uh, hidden inside of an iCloud photo library somewhere and basically give you these pictures in a way that is totally unique and allow you to display them beautifully at home. Fracture isn't about taking a picture and putting it in a frame with a wooden, you know, exterior and a piece of glass with a piece of paper stuck in the middle of you know two pieces of cardboard and then inside the glass frame structure it goes they're not about that fracture are about giving your photos the attention that they deserve by putting your picture right onto a piece of glass so what you end up doing is hanging the picture on the wall you're not hanging a framed picture on the wall you are hanging the picture on the wall It is the photo with some glass in front of it. It's edge to edge. It looks fantastic. The colors look incredible. And the quality is there. The quality is there because Fracture care about what they do. They have a great team in Gainesville, Florida that takes the pictures that you upload to FractureMe.com and they basically put it in to their beautiful machines that they must have. And out the other end comes a fantastic photo in a square size or rectangle size of your choosing. Um, and then they put in the box, these lovingly packaged boxes with all this fantastic foam in them um, to make sure that they are completely safe as they are flying across the country or even across the world as I've had them sent to me and all become perfectly uh, unscathed when they have arrived. They've also thrown a little screw in the box and this so you can put it on the wall or a little uh, stand. If you choose one of the smaller sizes, you can choose to have that put in too. And this team is checking them all by hand and there they are. You know, making sure that your prints look fantastic. It's a very simple process to order. You can just go to FractureMe.com. You choose the picture that you want. You upload it. And then it just finds its way to you. It's very, very simple. They package them really, really well. And your photos are going to look like they have never looked before. Mr. Casey Liss, I know that you are a happy Fracture customer as I am. Oh, extremely so. And um, this is actually kind of a tie-in and throwback to an earlier episode. Uh, a while back, I had gotten, uh, and I think I might have mentioned this on the show before, I'd gotten that picture of Aaron and Declan that I took very shortly after um, Declan was born. And I had that printed at something like, I don't know, maybe a foot, foot and a half wide and like a half a foot to a foot tall. Well, anyways, that we got the wall mount for that. And just this past weekend, we finally got around to putting it up, even though we had um, purchased it quite a while ago. And 
this to go back to our conversation about how terrible I am at doing anything home maintenance related, you know, in the fracture box, there's the, the photo and then there's a screw. And it's one of those like, I don't know if this is the right terminology, but like self tapping screws. So we measured the right spot on the wall. We put the screw up to the drywall, got a screwdriver, spin, spin, spin in, in the screw goes, hang the picture up, done and done, took all of a minute and a half. And it, and it looks phenomenal. It looks really, really good. So can't recommend it enough. Granted, we're paid to tell you it's good, but we're not paid to say that I can't recommend it enough. And I'm telling you, I can't recommend it enough. So good. Yeah. I, six of the seven fractures that I own, I bought before they were ever a sponsor of anything that I do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're so good. They really, really are. And I, I don't know. I can't figure out any way to say how how an awesome an idea it is other than to say just try it get one of the little teeny ones it's it's reasonably priced get a little teeny one of like an instagram shot or something that you really like check it out see what you think and then you're going to hate us because you're going to end up spending all of your money at fracture which is kind of what i'm starting to do these days but your but at least your walls will look on unbelievably good when you try that first print out, they start at just $15, so it's not expensive. And you can get another 15% off with the coupon code ANALOG at checkout. And that will also help support this show and show Fracture that you found out about them from us. So just go to FractureMe.com to get started. Thank you so much to Fracture for their support of this show. Excellent. So tomorrow, as we record this, my younger brother leaves to Australia for three months. Goodness, what what is that a job thing or a school thing or No, he finished university a couple of weeks ago. Oh well congratulations. Uh, maybe, maybe a month or so ago actually. And uh he was planning to take a trip and he decided Australia. So he's going on his own <laughs> to Australia for three months. That's extremely brave. I don't know if I would go to another state by myself for, unless I was meeting somebody, but to just up and go uh, pretty much across the planet for three months, that's bold. Good for him. I think he knows one person who's going to be there, but they're not going to be spending time together. They're not going to be sharing a place together or anything like that. So he leaves tomorrow, uh, and then he he is taking an incredibly long trip right, going through China and he's in China for like 14 hours or something on a layover and then over to Australia and uh he is going to be there f- until just before Christmas and he has booked his first couple of weeks of accommodation mm-hmm. um he's staying in a hostel which is something I could also never do oh no 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 I've never done it and just the thought of it creeps me out it's just not a thing that I'm used to and that's you know, and I say like I've I never went to university. I am used to a certain level of home comforts. Yep. Um, and when I go away, I like to have nice hotels as well. It's just a thing that I like to do. I like to have a an element of what I consider to be luxury mm-hmm. in a in a hotel room. I mean, and I'm not buying crazy hotel rooms. I'm buying like standard hotel rooms, but I like a nice hotel, like four or five star hotel, and even just getting a standard room in one of those. That's what I like to do. So imagining being in a room with like four, five, six other people, um, and then like communal showers, I guess, right? They have to like yeah, share yeah. the showers. Like it's just not a thing that I've ever really had much contact with since maybe I went to the camp as a kid. <laughs> uh, and I'm, it just seems all of it is so alien to me. Yeah. It's funny because in, in a lot of ways, I really, really, really want to try renting from Airbnb, but even that is too out of the norm for my, uh, for, for my comfort zone. Like the, the thought that maybe the sheets I'm sleeping on haven't been laundered a hundred percent effectively. Now, of course, everyone's writing in as we speak saying, well, that's true of a hotel too, but I don't know. It just feels different to me when a hotel's purpose, sole purpose is to lodge people. Whereas, you know, an Airbnb, that's oftentimes like a side gig. And I don't know, even just that creeps me out. Have you ever done an Airbnb? I was wondering if you were going to say this, also hoping that you would ask, because otherwise I'm going to get in a lot of trouble if I don't talk about this. So, since I think this show began, um, Adina has been bugging me to bring this conversation up with you at some point. <laughs> oh, no. 
because Uh-oh. she is frustrated that I resist Airbnb. Okay, now why do you resist it? Let's start there. Uh, right, so there's a couple of things that I don't like about Airbnb. Uh, one, it's someone's house. Mm-hmm. Um, and that person has keys, and they have nothing stopping them doing anything, really. Like, so housekeeping at a hotel, uh, they have a job that they need to try and keep. Right. So they need to, you know, the the good people will be, and even the marginally good people will be more incentivized to remain good people. Uh, when you put do not disturb on the door, they don't come in, Right. Um, and you can leave that on there for as long as you're there if you want to, and no one will ever go into your room in theory. But with Airbnb, like they, you know, they could just come home. And I know people that have had this situation uh, that the person just arrives and they're going to stay in the other room while you're in the house because that's just that. And I'm just creeped out by it all. Like I, I don't like the idea of being in someone's house with all of their stuff. And I know not all Airbnbs are like this, like some are just like rented accommodation or whatever, but it still feels just weird to me. Um, and I, when I go away, I like the idea that all of the normal things that I have to worry about, I don't have to worry about anymore. Like, the, the room's going to be clean for me every day, and the towels are going to be changed, and the toiletries are prepared, and... You know, that stuff is just done for you in a hotel and it's not in an Airbnb. And Doyle in the chat room is pointing out that many Airbnb people treat it like a job, which I understand. I'm sure there are many people that own lots of property and they put it out on Airbnb, but there's no jurisdiction in that regard. Like, no one's going to fire them. They might get their name taken off Airbnb and then they could just get a friend to sign. You know, it doesn't doesn't feel the same. But irrespective of all this, I am completely aware that a lot of the feelings that I have for this are completely irrational. So any kind of, um, any kind of A, people telling me about the way it works or B, people telling me, as I'm sure we're going to get lots of, all of the great experiences they've had in Airbnb, all of this is pointless. Like, please feel free to send that feedback in, but understand that the likelihood that you'll be able to change my mind is slim because the person I love more than anyone in the world can't do it. Yeah. She can't change my mind. I just am, I do not like the thought of it. I just there's just something about Airbnb which is not for me and I can totally see why it's for many other people because you can get for the price of a hotel way nicer accommodation in way better areas. Yep. But it's just not my kind of thing. Yeah, I I echo everything you just said. And the thing of it is is as I'm listening to you talk, my first thought is, yep, totally agree. And my second thought is well, in a hotel, you know, they could just come in your room if they really wanted to. Of course well, they could. In a hotel, you know, they may not clean the way you want to. But the thing is, the thing of it is, is that that almost never happens. Like, because that it's that that's their job is to not do that, you know? I've never had any problems of this kind in a hotel before. And I've mm-hmm. always stayed in hotels because there's never been anything else. So why yep. am I going to change that? Yeah, and you're right. The reason you change it is because you can get like a mansion for the cost of a hotel room. But I, I I agree with you, Mike. Like it just it creeps me out a little bit, and and it's frustrating because I I try to be a frugal guy. It doesn't always work. I'll be the first to tell you, especially given the conversation we had at the end of last episode. But I try to be a frugal guy, and so that the the thought of getting really great accommodations, either cheaper or for the same money. Sounds awesome. But on the other side of the coin, it's just, again, like, how do I know that those sheets that I'm sleeping on have been laundered between the last guest and me? I would presume so, but who knows? How do I know if the toilet has been cleaned since the last guest? It's just, I don't know, it just it creeps me out. And For a lot of the same reasons, I, tr- I always try to avoid bed and breakfasts. And I tend, and I know how much charm I'm losing, uh, I, I like to stay in hotels. Uh, I like to stay in not necessarily big chain hotels, but like established companies or like you can see they have like four hotels, right? So you just feel like they, there's a, there just feels like a, I don't know, like a, a thing about them. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you. I just, I wish I didn't have these hangups because I bet I would have such amazing experiences. Um, it, you know, if if I didn't have these hangups, because didn't the Studio Neat guys do an Airbnb at WWDC? I thought. Yeah, yeah, I think so. They Matt's did. done them a bunch as well, but yep. like, I feel like he always has very mixed results. Because he didn't do one this time because he had a very weird Airbnb experience the previous year. Oh, that's true. I'd forgotten about that. Uh, Not this past year, not earlier this year, but um, in 2014, uh, when Faith was out there, she had done an Airbnb, I think. Actually, she might have been staying with a friend, but I thought she was an Airbnb. And to my recollection, she loved it. Um, So uh, almost everyone I know... Um, that is that is stayed in one has had nothing but phenomenal experiences. I think your your example with Matt is the only one I can think of that the experience, from what I understand, wasn't bad. It was just extremely awkward and peculiar. But, but this is one of the the prevailing things that this shows. They're all the normal ones. We're the weird ones. <laughs> it's so true. Oh goodness. So anyway, so we got sidetracked. So yeah, your brother's gone to uh to Australia mm-hmm. or going to Australia. So he's got like a couple of weeks of accommodation sorted out. He's got to get a job. So he's doing this like uh, accreditation thing that that you do in Australia to get hospitality work, like bar and restaurant work. You go there and you pay an amount of money and you have to get this, you have to like do this one day of training or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a very interesting thing. I mean, I never did, tra- I never went traveling. I never will now. And I think I'm okay with that. What do you mean you never will? Well, I'm never going to do that like I'm going to Australia for three months. Well, why not? Well, I guess because of Adina's job. I was going to say you have have nothing tying you specifically to London. And then I forgot that Adina has a regular job like me. Yeah, but even then uh, I would just be working from another location. Sure. But I don't know. Like if if in the. In the off chance that one day I eventually stop working for the man and I start working for myself, I don't know that we would, but I would cert- I would certainly be willing to try, say, over like summer for, or something, Aaron and Declan and, and myself, we just go somewhere for the summer. You know, like we go to Florida for the summer. Well, actually, that's a terrible idea. We go to the Pacific Northwest for the summer and hope the super uh, – the super earthquake doesn't hit us or maybe who knows if we can afford it maybe we go to london for the summer like how amazing would that be for the summer between declan's third and fourth grade years and i'm picking that arbitrarily if we just spent the summer in london and we got to pal around with mike yeah but that doesn't feel like traveling in the way that i'm thinking of it like the way that my brother is doing it like You're right. going there and experiencing what the place has because again it's going to be a certain level of luxury and you're still going to be working during that period of time, um, like on the job that you'd be doing that you'd be doing at home. Like, I don't know. Like one thing – so I have had a couple of – so I'm, I'm going – I've got a couple of trips, right, to the States coming up. And I've had a couple of things that are potential, might happen, could happen, maybe happen type stuff, which might occur around the time of my release notes conference in october mm-hmm. so like stuff happening before or after and if that is the case it will be like the two weeks before or two weeks after and if those things end up panning out maybe i'll stay in america for three weeks we got an extra room just letting you know if the american government will allow me to stay in america for three weeks um i don't know what the term is I'm allowed to, would be allowed to stay, but like you know, they're like you know, I'm, I'm wondering like, would I do that? Could I do? I mean, yeah, sure, I could, but I'd need equipment. But could I get equipment for the road? Most likely, you know. So like, I wonder about that sort of stuff, and I think that this would be something that I'd be more inclined to try next year. However, next year I do still plan in my mind on doing that world tour thing that I spoke about. I need to think about that more seriously if I am actually going to do that or not. I told you about this, so right? Cool. You did. I don't think we've ever spoken about it on the air, but you have told me about this idea. But why don't if since we've breached the subject, broached the subject, talked about the subject, why don't you tell the listeners what you're referring to? So over the space of a couple of weeks, traveling to every location that I have a co-host and recording an episode of their show with them, like in person. 
would you do this in front of an audience in a perfect world? Like, let's assume it's the perfect Mike World Tour. This is in front of a small audience in each location, just in their house at each location. How would this work? In a perfect storm, there would be a location that we would go and there would be people there to watch because it would just be a lot more fun. Oh, God, yes. Um, It absolutely would. But that's like a... That's a logistical nightmare. Just planning it out for me to be able to get to all of the individual places in a fair period of time would be madness. But yeah, I think I, I think it's something... That, basically, it was going to the Atlanta Pen Show that made me realize that this is the thing that I could do. You know, we had a Kickstarter and we raised 12 grand. Um, I could do everything for, you know, not substantially more. I mean, it would be more, a lot more, but not like it wouldn't cost 100 grand to do right right you know um so i think that if you know we could do it with every show and then blah, 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 like i think it's something that would be possible and that feels like an experience um that i would like to do so that you know those are the types of things that, that i would do but in those scenarios i'm either a going to be staying with my co-host in their home which is a home that i'll be able to trust or b i'll be in a hotel yeah you know Oh, I would totally do it, and I would couch surf my way through it because I'm cheap. And and you know, I, I'm trying to think of all the people that I know that that um, are on relay, and I got to imagine that pretty much all of us would be able to come up with a an, a spare bedroom for a couple of days if need be. I mean, I know oh, we yeah. could. So, and yeah, uh, speaking so. of, if you need, if you find yourself stranded in America for two or three weeks, you know, we're uh, just a hop, skip, and a jump away from uh, everyone's favorite uh, airport, uh, Dulles, and so we could always just pick you up there. And, uh, I feel like I it. need to go to that airport. Well, so I think somebody had tweeted about this. It probably was Gray tweeted about this. There are two Dulleses. That is not a yeah. lie. There's the Dulles that has the Virgin America Terminal, which is what I take over to uh, San Francisco every year, which is pristine. It's new. It's gorgeous. It's bright. And then there's Terrible Dulles, which is where I guess Gray always ends up. And it is awful. It really honestly is. So, yeah, Australia. Crazy. Does it make you scared for him? Like, are you excited for him, scared for him, all the above, none of the above? The only time that I've been scared was when I was talking about the plane journeys. Oh, yeah? And it was just that one time. Just the thought of that amount of time in the air, I don't know. I don't really worry about that stuff myself when I'm flying, um, and I'll probably be okay, but it was just that one thing. I mean, he's my little brother, so I'm a little bit nervous for him but he has lived away in scotland which is which is technically another country um for the last four years so i know he can look after himself right how much younger you know uh he is (sighs) this wasn't supposed to be that hard a question yeah uh he is five years younger than me okay and given that you're a child that means he's barely out of the womb then Hmm. <laughs> no he's uh he's clearly if he's through university he's clearly at least 21 and so um at 21 you know i was barely an adult but i was i was closer to an adult than i was a child so um i'm sure it'll be fine and i'm I, man i'm jealous like because you guys when I, when I say you guys i mean uh brits my understanding or the american understanding is that you guys often do what do you call it like a gap year or something like that is that, is that Yeah st- that that's kind of what i'm talking about when i talk about the traveling stuff cuz mm-hmm. he's on a this is his gap year between university and the real world the real world yeah but typically isn't gap year typically before university or am i crazy uh, many people do it before uni. Many people do it during uni, like a year <laughs> off. Like some people do it after. Like it's effectively the term now is just a gap between something and something before uh-huh. you go. You know, with university and or a job on either side of it at some point. Yeah, yeah. it's very. It's become very loose. I got you. Yeah, that I mean, certainly there are people that do it here in America, but that is a very rare thing amongst anyone that I've ever known. In fact, I I can't think of anyone that I've known that has done a gap year. Um, I'm sure there is that I'm just not thinking of, but darned if I can think of them now. I don't know. So are you how many hours apart are you guys roughly? What, when he's in Australia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Australia is... Well, I think where he's going to be is eight hours ahead. Oh, that's not terrible. 
Because what's he, what are you and Jason right now? Eight. Okay. He's eight behind me. Sure. Okay, so that's livable. So you're going to be able to like FaceTime him and stuff, do you think? Your brother, I mean? Yeah. Yeah, okay. he's got one of these deals with a network here called Three, which is a... He has a UK SIM, but he can use his plan as normal in Australia. What? Yeah, there's a, the network three in the UK. There's a bunch of countries that you can do this in, the US being one of them, I believe. And you can use your normal minutes, your normal data, and your normal texts when you're in another country. Oh, that's annoying because no carrier in America except, uh, shoot, one of them lets you use like really low-speed data for, I think, no no money or something like that. But generally yeah, speaking— Yeah, I'm sure it's it's like, you know, it's probably 3G. Yeah, I think you're right. But regardless, most of the like the two big American carriers, AT&T and Verizon, they basically want your firstborn if you're going to use more than three megs of data overseas. Oh, same as every other carrier carrier in the UK is pretty much like that. Mm, Crazy. All right. Any other thoughts on your uh, baby brother? Uh, I'm sure I'll have more as the weeks go on. Yeah. I'm jealous. I've I have many friends that have been to Australia at some time or another. And um, and every single one of them has said it's phenomenal. And. I think most of them have said I would move there if I could. I don't know how I feel about Australia. <laughs> like, I'm sure it's very, very nice, but they have uh, two of my biggest fears in the world and the things that oh, they cost, which are spiders and snakes. And they have big poisonous ones of both of them. Yep. Everything in Australia is made to kill you. Isn't that the rule? It feels like it. <laughs> Goodness. Uh, real-time follow-up, it is T-Mobile that does the uh, low-speed internet and text messages as per Doyle oh. and Slade 401. You're dialing T-Mobile. I'm surprised you didn't know that. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, you love those. You love that company. Well, I love things about T-Mobile. You'll note that my telephone is on AT&T because T-Mobile service is really spotty out here. But my iPad, I do love my, having my iPad on T-Mobile. Anyways, uh, why don't you tell us about something else that's cool, and then maybe we can do some relay your feels. This episode is brought to you by Red Hat. At this point, everyone understands that in the right situations, open source software is important technology. It's useful and powerful. No one disagrees with that. I mean, the most open source project of all time, the most successful one, in fact, is a little thing called the Internet. Tim Berners-Lee put the www in the public domain. Then, of course, there's Berkeley Unix, TCPIP, BSD Linux, Android, the Internet of Things. You get the picture. The only real disagreement is whether open source can be used in enterprise situations for people to do their most important work. Well, Red Hat has been settling this debate one customer at a time for over a decade. They started with Red Hat Enterprise Linux, and today they certify and support application development, storage, and cloud infrastructure for every conceivable enterprise deployment. The New York Stock Exchange, DreamWorks, each and every airline, healthcare company, and telecom giant in the global Fortune 500, they all rely on Red Hat. In fact, more than 90% of all of the companies in the Fortune 500 are Red Hat customers. Why? Because they get the powerful, constantly improving innovation of open source without the risk of having to do it alone. It's that simple. Red Hat, enterprise software trusted in the world's most demanding data centers. Find out what they can do for yours at redhat.com. All right, so let's relay some feels. So this comes from Bahij, uh, and Bahij asks, can Casey talk about his experiences with the WWDC 2014 live talk show with Gruber? How did that feel? Um, it was awesome. And I think I need to tell, I need to go on a very small diversion and, and I'll bring it back. So I don't know how this ever came up, but I'd heard my mom say more than once as I was growing up that you know, not that she believes in, you know, coming back in or in reincarnation or anything, but just like for the sake of conversation, you know, uh, you know man, if, if says mom, if I could come back as like anyone, I would come back as a, like a rock star or like an, or like an actor or something. Cause how awesome would it feel to have the, that moment when you walk on stage and everyone is there for you and cheering for you and like if you're a, if you're a rock star like singing the words that you wrote to the songs that you wrote like how awesome would that feel and um and so with that in mind next thing you know last year I'm walking on stage with Gruber and Marco and John and granted 
of all the people on stage that any of these people were there for, I was the last one on the list, generally speaking. But in at least some small part, when I walked on stage, people were cheering for me. And it was really, really weird. It Good weird. Very good weird. Not bad weird. Just maybe weird. Weird has a negative connotation. It was different. Different than anything I've ever experienced. And I... I would do it again in a heartbeat. Not, not necessarily like, like Gruber was very upfront that he, he wants to do a different thing every year and he has done a different thing every year. And goodness, can you imagine if he had dedicated this year to us and didn't do, you know, have Schiller on stage, that would have been terrible. But he was very upfront with us and said, Hey, I want to do something different every year, but I think this year I'd like to have you guys, if that's cool. And we said, yeah, that's awesome. And, um, and so I don't think we'll ever do the talk show live again, but I would love to do some sort of live recording of either ATP or analog or both. And as I think we've talked about on the show, um, it's, it's a lot of administrative work. It's a lot of organizational work to make that happen, but I would do it in a heartbeat. And if you did the, the Mike Hurley world tour, I would absolutely do everything I could to figure out a way to make that happen. Um, but to come back around to the actual point, you know, it's weird because I, as I'm walking on stage, I'm thinking to myself, this is kind of mom's moment that I'm living right now. And that's unbelievably awesome and really, really weird. And I think the most peculiar moment of the entire evening was I went down, well, like they, they had this backstage area that was physically above the floor that, that all, every, all the audience was on. And it had like, you know, a little overlook and like little, I'll call them windows, but there was no glass, but it had like windows where you could look down upon the crowd. And after the show, we went up there for a minute and, you know, got some water. And I think I had a little bit like, you know, a glass of vodka or something to kind of relax and just, ah. but anyways, uh, Faith and you were there among other people and Faith had not yet met John Syracuse. And so I ran down from backstage, I ran down to um, try to find Faith and brought John with me so I could hopefully introduce Faith and John. And when I got, I think I came out on the stage, although the stage was dark at this point, I believe, and I walked off the end of the stage and all of a sudden I got accosted and all these people were there like wanting to to meet me and wanting to take a picture with me and like what is happening right now? Like I'm me. I'm just a little old me. I'm just a regular schmo who works a regular job and occasionally talks into a tube. And yet all these people were so excited to see me of all people. It was unbelievably flattering and unbelievably cool. And even without that moment, even without the like adulation, even without, um, having everyone so excited to see me, I just thought it was a fun thing to do regardless because so often you and I are talking to an empty room, you know, granted I'm talking to you, but I'm talking in an empty room and man, was it fun to be able to, to talk not only to my co-hosts, but like if I make a joke, it's awesome when you laugh, but it's freaking awesome when like a thousand people laugh and I don't know, everything about it was really, really cool. And I would do it again in a heartbeat. Now, have you you've done at least a couple of live recordings, haven't you? Uh, I mean, in front of people. Like, I know you've done recordings when you're in the same location as the person, like the pen addict. How did that go, for example? We didn't do that in front of people. Oh, you didn't? Oh, I thought you did. No, we we ended up because we were doing the video. We wanted to just do it with the three of us that were recording the episode. I got you. So. Okay we were able to control it and also it was the episode audio it was the audio for the regular episodes we wanted to keep it like mm. as good mm -hmm. sounding as possible i've never really done any large scale um episode recordings before i've done very small groups of people i've never done anything big Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think I want, we want to try and... I mean, we were talking about it for WWDC this year, maybe next year, try and do something. Um, but it did make me think like about public speaking in general. How are you with public speaking? Um, it is one of the few things that I think I'm pretty good at. Well, okay. mm, let, me, let me rephrase a little bit. It doesn't bother me, with, which by comparison to almost everyone I know makes me okay at it. Like I'm not saying that I'm the most eloquent public speaker. I'm not saying that, I'm, that I give riveting 
presentations or anything. But what I will say is the thought of speaking in public doesn't really bother me at all, which is weird. But I don't know. It just never really has. What about you? I get nervous about it a lot before I before it goes before I start. But once I actually get a couple of minutes into it, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Once I've kind of warmed myself to the crowd, the crowd has warmed to me, and then they're laughing at the jokes that I'm attempting to make. I feel a lot more <laughs> confident, and then I can start to play up to it a bit. Yeah. Um. And I've I've only ever had a few experiences like that. Um, as part of this type of stuff that I do, but they've all gone really, really well. Um, so I'm feeling a little bit, you know, nervous about the talk that I'm working on for release notes, um, the conference that I'm going to be speaking at in October. Mm-hmm. But I'm not, uh, I'm not nervous of it because I think it's going to go badly. It's just because it's going to be a big group, and I have quite an honour being able to talk there. And it's going to be a way bigger group than before. I have, like, a much longer amount of time to talk. That That's um, what makes me nervous, is I don't think I'm very good at looking at a duration of time and figuring out exactly how much content I need to fill it. That yeah. I don't think I'm good at. The act of getting in front of people and talking, meh, whatever. But the act of talking for, like, a solid hour, that petrifies me. I'm excited for your talk. I mean, I'm not going to be there, unfortunately, but I'm excited to hear about it. And do you know if they're going to have video? I don't know. Okay. Well, I'd, I'd love to see it if and when it does come out on video. And I've heard I've heard very good things about the Release Notes Conference. It sounds like a lot of awesome people are not only going to be there, but are going to be speaking, yourself very much included. Basically, this fall is the fall of Casey being jealous of everyone at conferences because XOXO is in just a few weeks, right? Just a couple of weeks? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yep. And pretty much everyone's going to be there but me. Then release notes is, like you said, a few weeks after that, and everyone's going to be there but me. So, um, yeah, this is going to be the 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 next couple of months are going to be sad, Casey. Talking about that, uh, Doug asked, if the next podcast you record is your last one ever, what would you discuss? Ooh. So I will start. Okay. Uh, I would share all of my deepest, darkest secrets and the stories I haven't yet told. Can you give any example, not necessarily the whole story, but like an example subject? No. Okay. I, I can't. Uh, I don't know. Like, Okay, well, here about, how about this? Like, if we didn't yet know Adina's name at this point, that would be the time you would say, oh, well, my girlfriend's name is Adina and we met and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, like I will say the company that I worked for, um, you know, I will, I will give my opinions about people that maybe I wouldn't <laughs> give. You know, like stuff nice. like that. You know, nice. Uh, I, if if I'm gonna, if I'm the next day, I'm fading into obscurity and nobody's ever gonna hear from me again. Then I may as well burn all the bridges <laughs> for the sake of a good story. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's funny. So I'm gonna, I'm going to completely cop out of this answer and um, ask everyone to do a little bit of homework. I, I won't refer to this on the next episode unless somebody writes in about it. Um, this is this is optional homework that I think you'll you'll do you you will enjoy it and it will make you a better person. Um, there was a gentleman by the name of Randy Pausch who was a professor at Aaron's alma mater UVA at least briefly, um, but spent most of his time I believe at Carnegie Mellon. I hope I have that right. I think that's right. Well, anyway, he got diagnosed. This is several years ago now. Got diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and even to this day, pancreatic cancer is pretty much always fatal. And he had two or three young children and he got diagnosed and knew things weren't going well and knew that he was a few months away from passing away. And he recorded, um, it, it was, it was in front of a class, but he had it videotaped. He recorded what he called his last lecture. So this is Randy Pausch, P-A-U-S-C-H, and his last lecture. And we'll put a link in the show notes. I want to say it was like an hour, hour and a half long. And it was a really good, feel good, believe in yourself, you can do it talk. And I bring that up because I would hope that I would come up with something a tenth as as amazing as that was. I don't know what it would be. I don't know. I don't know what it would be, but 
I would hope that I would leave a lasting message for Aaron and Declan to listen to anytime they missed hearing my voice. Casey Liss, the Velveeta story. <laughs> oh God. Oh God. That's probably what, it, but that's probably what I'll end up being known for is white cars, Velveeta and vinyl. On that note, we come to the end of this week's episode. Uh, something I would love from the listeners, uh, we're getting a little light on Relay Your Feels questions, so keep sending us in. Things you want to hear us talk about, questions, concerns, uh, things that you think about that keep you up at night that you'd like us to discuss, anything really, just uh, tweet with the hashtag Relay Your Feels. They go into a document and I go through them. There's still some in there that are old that I haven't gotten to yet, and, you know, and that one from Doug... Uh, that is an old one that's been in a document for a long time. Because uh, I just pull out whatever interests me when I'm getting ready for the show that week. So uh, there'll be more. So please send them in because we'd love to hear from you and love to get some more suggestions from you. The same, you can use that uh, hashtag for follow-up. You can uh, send us emails or if you like. There's a, a link on our on our page. There's a contact button at the relay.fm slash analog page. And if you go to slash 55 after that URL, you will find the show notes for this week's episode. If you'd like to find Casey online, um, he is, of course, one of the hosts of the Accidental Tech Podcast at atp.fm. And he is at Casey List, C-A-S-E-Y-L-I-S-S on Twitter. And he is also at CaseyList.com. And I am iMike, I-M-Y-K-E on Twitter and the host of many shows at Relay FM, of which this is a part. Thanks again to our sponsors this week, Red Hat, Fracture, and Linda, and we'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Casey Liss. I'll see you later, Mike. It's, 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 it's a wall, 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 wall.